7.21 is the time, four degrees on a Thursday morning. Mark Tuohy, advisor to business and political leaders, frequent show host and pundit here on News Talk 1010, joins us now for the morning brief. Nice to have you. Good morning, Mark. Good morning, John. Okay, so let's talk education, and actually we should probably start with the fact that negotiations broke off yesterday. Uh, that means that uh, 55,000 education workers are in a position to strike if they want to. On the 3rd of November, they'd have to give five days' notice. I'm still not pressing the panic button. I may be wrong. Maybe we do get a strike, but at the moment, I don't think we need to start terrifying parents. Uh, I think parents need to start planning for what they're going to do in a work disruption. <laughs> okay. Um, this is, it doesn't have to happen. It doesn't necessarily mean it's going to happen. There's a bunch of dance moves in the Kabuki performance that is uh, labor negotiations every single time, every single place. And they're just really following the program. But the problem is, John, they're following the program. And the one way or another, the conveyor belt is moving in that direction. And I'm not convinced based on anything I've heard the union president say or anything that I've heard the minister say that anybody in this process has the capability, the intelligence, the competence to actually get off the conveyor belt before all the pies hit the floor. So I'm expecting a big mess and uh, the government's going to have to take some extraordinary measures to get people back into the workplace. Okay, so do you see that the government has probably already resolved to back-to-work legislation if they have to? I hope not. I hope what they're planning to do is to make everyone in the education sector an essential worker. Okay, but then that often leads to procedures that in the end cost the government more. Uh, it used to be that case. It's not really the rule anymore. I mean, that was the big fear. That's why I argued quietly and internally within the mayor's office against making the TTC an essential service. Rob Ford, the mayor at the time, said no. That was something that he promised because he didn't want to have transit disruptions because people had told him that the disruption to their work was costing them a fortune, upsetting their lives. And in the end, he was right. It didn't cost anymore in order to make the TTC workers an essential service. They actually appreciate the fact that they don't have to worry about going on strike. When they can't come to an agreement, then it goes to a binding arbitration. And they didn't get more than they probably would have won in a negotiation in the first place. So I'm not sure that the old rules necessarily apply. Okay, and I mentioned there were more than there is more than one uh, story affecting education this morning, and the other one would be that Ontario kids are apparently falling short on math and reading. Now, uh, before we say that's an indictment of the system, it may merely be uh, an off, you know, uh, an aspect of our battle with COVID. Yeah, I think by and large, one, we've never done well in Ontario on these two measures. And so you could look at whether the, the benchmark is set in the right place, but it seems to be set at the same place as everybody else and everybody else in every other province and every other country, uh, by and large, do better than we do. So clearly we're not doing something as well as other people are doing. So I'm less inclined to believe that the measurement is wrong. And I think like you, that this is an artifact of, uh, of COVID in that things aren't getting better. So, but it just, it, it highlights the reason why we can't afford to have any type of educational interruption this year. And so if the unions and the government can't sort this out through the collective bargaining process, then the collective bargaining process needs to change.
So Gil Penalosa, who we all realize is not going to become the mayor of Toronto, but it doesn't mean his ideas are all bad. I think a lot of them are worth debating. And one of the ones he's pitching right now as we count down to Election Day is the idea that the extension or restoration, I guess we should say, of the eastbound gardener is a bad idea and it should be torn down. What do you say? Uh, it's not worth debating. It's been debated for about 60 years. And uh, and we keep coming up with the same answer, which is that we need the gardener. It needs to be repaired. They're planning to move the gardener, which is uh, expensive, but it needs to be there. It is not... It's an integral piece of transportation infrastructure in this region. It is not just how people get into and out of downtown Toronto. It's how people in the West get to the East and beyond. And without it, there would be mayhem. I appreciate his desire to balkanize the city and turn it into a bunch of beautiful little neighborhoods where nobody can get from one to the other, uh, you know, by putting in boulevards. But that is just a stupid idea. It's been debated forever. And every time we debate it, we come up with the same idea. It's a dumb idea. It was dumb then, it's dumb now. Although it is interesting, if you consider that we have not had the eastbound gardener to Lakeshore for, I don't even know how long it's been now, and the world has not yet come to an end. That's because our traffic volumes are down to about 20% during COVID. So yeah, thank goodness for small miracles. Okay, speaking of transportation and transit, this one makes my head hurt. I'm reading this morning, Mark, that Via Rail is adding buffer cars to some of its trains in case of a crash. And this is because the fleet is aging. I mean, the idea that there are you know, cars that are not actually in service that are there in case the train wrecks, I find mystifying. Yeah, this one I had to read a couple of times yeah. and shake my head. You know, I... I I took my kids uh, and I on a cross-Canada trip, which I highly recommend to anybody who can afford it. It's not cheap to stay in a sleeper car where they turn your seat into a bed. But that uh, the great Canadian that travels from Toronto out to Vancouver is an amazing way to see the country. But you see it uh, out the back end of the uh, the bar car, and you see it from the dome car. And if you're taking all of those cars off of the train, then I'm not really sure what the magic is anymore. So, you know, I hope that this is a very temporary, in, you know, solution to uh, to a potential hypothetical problem. And I hope they get it sorted out, because if not, then uh, there's no point having the train. And uh, don't normally reference another radio show, but I think uh, listeners know I'm a fan of Howard Stern. And uh, I was listening to a rant yesterday, um, and, and he was talking about Kanye West. And what's interesting here, well, there's a lot of interesting things, I guess, Mark Tui, but um, <laughs> Kanye West is on a bit of a tear these days. He's on a lot of media outlets, and it's just unabashed. It's not accidental. It's unabashed anti-Semitism. Stuff that he said on the Cuomo show the other day was about how everybody in entertainment has special clauses in their contract that they have to say certain things about Jews, and it's it's insane. But here's my question to you, and I, I this, is, this is what Howard Stern was saying. Why, if... If he's suffering from mental illness, mental illness, if we are to attribute everything Kanye is saying to the fact that he has mental distress, then why are people still putting him on TV and radio? 
Well, I think that that's a very good question, and it needs an answer from the people who put them on their shows. I mean, if you truly believe the man has a mental illness, then don't exploit him to get ratings by having him come on your show to say things that people are going to be, you know, outraged by. But if you don't think he has a mental illness, then you hold him responsible for what he says, and you don't put him on your show. In either case, I don't think you put him on your show. Thanks a lot, sir. Always a pleasure to have you. Take care, John. Mark Tui on the morning brief. And we were just seconds away from the half hour headlines. Jess Kieran Cooner is here on the other side after a break. It's part four of my ongoing portrait of homelessness in Toronto. It's 630. Time for the half hour headlines. Jess Kieran Cooner is here. Good morning.